0: Epiphany Church in Ligonier, Pennsylvania. On Friday, a fee. On Sunday, a king. Late down. Welcome to Epiphany's Sunday Sermons, a podcast ministry of Epiphany Anglican Fellowship in Ligonier, Pennsylvania. Our church exists to help people discover and rediscover the love of God in the Christian gospel. To learn more about our church, visit our website at epiphanyligonier.org. Today I I want to speak about a biblical reality that is not just a biblical reality. It's it's also a, a psychological reality. Because the Bible diagnosed something a long time ago about human nature uh, that was true um, thousands of years before the psychologists came along. But the psychologists came along and they ran some social science tests and sort of said, you know what? We can confirm now that that what the Bible says about human nature is right. And uh, so both of them together, Bible and psychology, they come together to talk about a, a pattern of behavior called transference. Transference. Um, transference is when a human being, uh, it reacts improperly to a situation because they've, they've judged the situation wrong based on their past experiences. Um, transference is when the emotions and feelings that surround a, um, a past event or hard experience, uh, unconsciously come forward because we've drawn parallels between the bad thing that happened then and the thing that's happening now. Uh, There's some examples of this that that get the point across here. Um, Example would be, um, now I have a fantastic mother-in-law. I'm not drawing from personal experience, but after a while, you're a pastor, you get some stories. This is nobody that you know. Okay, that said, uh, here's an example. A, A wife is confronting her mother, and the wife comes to the mother and says, Mother, you are being too hard and unreasonable on my husband. I love him, and he is wonderful to me. And the mother responds, Well, uh, my marriage was hard before I divorced my husband, and so I don't want that for you. And so you have this uh, situation in the marriage where the mother, in this situation, has sort of transferred some of the anger she has from her own difficult marriage uh, unfairly onto the husband of uh, her daughter. And, and that's an example of what the psychologists call transference, right? Um, when the mother sort of sees her own situation in her daughter's and begins to sort of um, respond as if they're the same thing, when that may not necessarily be the case. That's transference. Um, here's another example, right? A boss gives a, an employee a, a good evaluation, a good performance review, right? Um, a, a, just a waterfall of compliments. Just such a fantastic employee, and then at the end of it says, and you know, just for the sake of it, here's maybe two or three things that could use some improvement, but otherwise you're doing a fantastic job. Well, a week later, the employee comes in and lays in and, and puts his two weeks notice and his, and his boss is stunned. He thought he had just communicated and said, what's, what's wrong? What, what's going on? I just, you're fantastic. We're employee. We're, we're shocked to lose you. And what the employer doesn't know is that his employee um, uh, had a very difficult and overbearing father. And the father, when the father gave negative criticism, it came in such a powerful, sort of um, difficult way that it, it shook this employee to the core. And so what the, the employee, what the boss tried to say was, you're doing so great, we love you, here's a couple of things. And what the employee heard was none of that. He just heard his father's angry voice. And that afternoon, after hearing negative criticism, he put out his resume and started a job search, right? That's transference. Um, that's Seeing and having a conversation with your boss, but unconsciously hearing the threats of your father. And so you have this whole thing now where there's a job search and starting new jobs and, and, and going through all of that because the situation has been misjudged. We all do this. We all engage in transference. It happens in our marriages, it happens in our families, it happens in our workplaces too. Um, our, our brains, they're wired to engage. Uh, other people, by searching through our past for past experiences, and then um, using that data to help us inform how should we address the current situation. Um, but some of us in our lives, we have these things from our past where um, the data is a little corrupted. Um, something hard has happened, something bad has happened, and then those become the data through which we see the world in front of us. And that's when transference happens. We respond to a situation incorrectly because our data about the past is bad, right? Um, Think of the the woman who has trouble dating men because of a really hard heartbreak she had in her past. That's transference. Uh, Think about the the man who gets fired from job after job after job because he keeps blowing up at his bosses because uh, authority figures are a problem with him because of his relationship with his father, right? That's transference. And the Israelites... (laughs) grumbling against Moses and Aaron in the desert for all of their troubles and fears after leaving Egypt. That's transference. See, we kind of got there. You wondered where I was going. We got there, right? That's transference. It's part of the key to understanding our reading, and it's going to help us understand not just our reading, but we're going to learn something about the human condition. We're going to learn something about the Bible. We're going to learn something about God. We're going to learn something about ourselves, if we can read this passage through the lens of transference. So, you know, buckle up. No small task this morning, but I think you're all up to the task. Um, So let's go to the reading and try to understand more about what we're talking about. Uh, This is our second week of our new sermon series. We're talking about um, life after Egypt, um, that the people of Moses have crossed, the, the people of Israel have crossed the Red Sea, under God's leadership, which is happening through Moses, they would gotten to the other side, they had a big party, they sang songs, and they celebrated, and then they looked around and they said, what next? <laughs> what next? And uh, at first, the, the problem was they realized they don't have fresh water nearby. Um, and so they got really, really anxious and, and started to grumble and complain to Moses about water being an issue. They're used to living in Egypt, they're used to being slaves, water was provided, food was provided for them, but here there was none of that. And so uh, for our reading last week, of course, we looked into that, how God provided water to the people of Israel when there was no water to be found. This is the wilderness, this is uh, the Bible's word for desert, um, that the people of Israel, they went from being slaves in Egypt to being sort of you know, camel, Bedouin, nomad types, and it's a really big adjustment for them. And so last week we talked about this anxiety and this fear and this anger over water. And today it shifts, but some of that's still there. Um, after they get the, the, the water blessing from God, the people of Israel find a, um, a, a, uh, an oasis and they hang there for a little while. Uh, the oasis is uh, Elam, is the name of the o- oasis. They hang there for a while and then they're setting out towards, turns out, a very famous Bible mountain called Sinai. God is leading the people towards Sinai, and along the way they have to travel through some desert again. So they get all their, their water together from the oasis and they set out, but as they're setting out towards Sinai, they have another problem. So last week the problem was water, this week the problem is food. They're going and they're trying to get to the, this place that God is leading them, but their, their stores of food are running low. Here's how our reading begins. All the congregation of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. And on the fifteenth day of the second month after they departed from the land of Egypt, the whole congregation of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. And we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill us and this whole assembly with hunger. So last week's reading was, We need water. <laughs> this week's reading is, We need food. Um, It's important to note there are a couple of differences. First, we're farther along than we were in the previous week, right? Last week, it was three days in the wilderness before Israel started complaining about needing water. Now we're about two and a half months into this sojourn. So it's been two and a half months since the people left Egypt, and they're running low on food. So the timing's a little different for this. second thing that's different is the nostalgia factor, right? That they're looking back fondly on their time of Egypt and said, you know... At least when we were in Egypt, there was, um, you know, meat pots. You know, that's probably a euphemism for something like a, like a, like a stew, where you kind of add things in, like a continual pot of stew, and they're like, you know what? Say what you will about Egypt, but at least we had meat there. I would rather die there than God bring me out in the desert to kill me. It's very sarcastic, very um, fatalistic, I think, right? God is our God, but his intention is to lead us out in the desert and starve us to death. I mean, come on, like, that's not a lot of charity there from the people of Israel, And then, of course, the complaints this week, right, they they don't just go to Moses, they go to Moses and Aaron. So last time it was just Moses, now it's Moses and Aaron. Aaron, of course, is Moses' brother. And so there's something about that family that's becoming the target of people's anxiety and fear. Um, Despite all of the differences between last week's reading and this week's, the results, they're actually basically the same. God says, trust me, I'm going to provide for you. And that is exactly what happens. Uh, scholars have noted that quail frequently travel across the Sinai Peninsula on their migratory routes. And so a herd of quail comes by. Um, that herd of quail, flock of quail maybe, the, it's still a very miraculous thing because it's a lot of people. You're talking hundreds of thousands of people. It's a lot of people to feed meat to. And so then this migratory, you know, the birds fly by and Israel is able to, to have you know chicken for dinner for the first time in a couple of months. Um, but more than that, um, God begins uh, this process of giving the people manna. Um, manna is from the Hebrew word, literally, like, what is it? Um, the words what is it in Hebrew are ma-na. And, um, well, they just call it, what is it? I, the, the closest comparison I have is, um, anybody like the, 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 I think it's a Reese's candy bar called the call it? Right? They're not as popular as they used to be, but they had this jingle when I was a kid, you know. Um, you know, chocolatey, chewy, uh, caramel. What you call it? Anyway, that's neither here nor there. This is the, the Hebrew equivalent. It's what you call it. It's um, what is it? And um, what it is? Um, it's something like a cross between um, a morning frost and a coriander seed, uh, which can then be, as we read later on in the Book of Numbers, collected in about a two liter jar. Of um, uh, the if, right, What was the, the unit of measurement here? The omer, right? So you have an omer, which is about a two-liter jar. They would fill it up with this, almost like a grain, as it were. They'd pick it up off the ground and off the plants like a frost, and they'd put it in the jar, and then they could use it for a day. And it would be ground up and used to make and bake with almost like a, a grain. That's how it was used. And so manna in the wilderness, God provides food, God provides meat, the people of Israel complain and they get grouchy, but God takes care of it. There are some rules that um, you know you, you get twice as much as you need on Saturday so you don't have to go foraging on some Sunday so you can have like a restful Sabbath. Uh, but yeah, the story is the same. The people turn to Moses and Aaron and direct their anger at them. Um, they end up going to God for help and God provides. So the last time we're going to see that pattern happen in our readings over the course of this sermon series, and yet um, it's good to see God and his mercy giving Israel what they need, even though Israel is being pretty stubborn and fatalistic and really rude. And that's the core of our reading. But back to this idea of transference, right? Um, Because as this back and forth is going between um, uh, um, Israel and Moses and Aaron, We know there's transference happening in our reading today because of how Moses diagnoses the situation. Um, And this is from our reading today, too. I'm going to read you what Moses says. And Moses said, When the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat and in the morning bread, in the evening meat to eat and in the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling that you grumbled against him, who are we? Your grumbling is not against us but against the Lord. Moses is smart. He accurately diagnoses the situation Um, because the people have been bringing all their anger towards Moses and and Aaron and there's two and a half months out from Egypt in slavery. This is a new world to them. The people of Israel, right, they're not used to being desert nomads. Now they're desert nomads. They they were used to having food provided from them uh, by their overlords over in Egypt. Now they don't have the same food that they used to. And you can be understanding, right? There's a a sense of, of course, they're tired. Of course, they're angry. Of course, they're frustrated. Of course, they're fearful. Fearful of death, starvation, thirst. These are very present realities for Israel. Um, But one of the great patterns of Scripture is that um, there's a difference between the prayer of, um, is God really bringing me out in the wilderness just to kill me? That fatalist kind of um, resentment and anger. Um, versus people in the Bible who actually do take their anger to God in in happy and healthy ways. Um, You can read it in the book of Psalms, for example, right? There are plenty of songs where the psalmist says, Lord, I don't understand. I'm angry. What is going on here? Um, You know, deep cut here, but one of the minor prophets, Habakkuk, the whole three chapters of the book of Habakkuk is, is the prophet going to God and saying, God, I don't understand why all of our enemies seem to be doing great And, like, your people, your chosen people, are getting the short end of the stick here. Why we're losing, why are we being defeated, why are enemies prospering? So there's this whole history, this rich history in the Bible of people taking their anger and their frustration and resentments directly to the source. But That's not what happens in our reading. They take it to Moses and Aaron instead. Um, This is not the only, I think, example of transference in the Bible. Uh, maybe you can recall the Genesis story, what happens when God confronts Adam and Eve, right? Um, Adam, you know, who told you that you were naked? And what's Adam's response? Adam is, is quick to say, this wife, Lord, that you gave me, um, gave me this fruit to eat. Um, there's a sense where, where he's responding in such a way where instead of sort of confessing to his own inner shame and his inner, you know, I got caught, I did the wrong thing. He's, he's directing his anger and the culpability everywhere outside of him. I think that's an example of what transference can look like. Here's another example from the book of Genesis. Uh, the story of Joseph, right? Um, Joseph uh, and his father Israel. Um, Jacob, uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob, the, the father, had 12 sons. And Joseph was the youngest and the small second youngest and smallest of the sons. Uh, and uh, for whatever reason, his father loved him the most and went out of his way to sort of bless Son number 11 of 12 and the other brothers got very angry and resentful for it. And so what did they do? They didn't go to their father to talk to their father about the issue. They took that little brother and took all of their anger and frustration and hurt and and sold him into slavery, right? That's that's transference. That's saying, I'm not going to go to my father. I'm not going to go to God. I'm going to take all of my negativity out on this, the source of all of it. When, of course, the source is not... Joseph, it's Joseph's father. One more, and we'll keep going. Samuel the prophet, uh, one of Israel's great judges. Um, if you took sort of the position of president, and the position of Supreme Court, and put them together into one, that's what a judge was in the Old Testament. And Samuel was the last judge, because as he was judging over the people of Israel, um, the people came to him and said, actually, we don't want a judge, we want a king. Uh, and Samuel was kind of hurt by that. He's like, God, they're rejecting me, right? They're rejecting me as their judge, and God actually comes to Samuel and says, actually, they're not rejecting you as their judge. They're rejecting me as their king because God was supposed to be their king, and now they want another king, and so um, they, they said, um, God says, the real issue is not that you're being rejected, Samuel. It's that they're rejecting me instead, Right? They're taking the rejection of God and putting it onto Samuel. So these are examples of of transference, and that's why I think I can say with some confidence that this pattern is something that the Bible talks about. Um, And so we have transference in the Bible, we have transference in our lives. I think people will transfer their anger and their frustration and fear um, to one another in any particular situation. I think a lot of our troubles today in the world have to do with transference. If you could think of any particular Person, situation or office that received the transference of people, uh, what would you pick? Uh, For me, I think it would be the office of the President of the United States of America. Um, That so many people um, take this position and they project and they transfer all of the negativity that's happening into their lives into this one person or this one office. Um, You know, the joke is, right, like what can the President actually do about rising gas prices? Nothing. There's nothing about rising gas prices in the office of the executive. And yet, if gas prices are high and people don't like it, like that's, political, um, that's a political defeat and you're out of the office. Right? Because people look to this position and they say, things are bad in my life and it's because of what's happening here in the Oval Office. right? Um, how many people have you heard say, and I'm going to say some words, I'm going to step back, I promise. They'll say, oh, this is all Biden's fault, oh, this is all Trump's fault. Um, when in reality you know them personally, and it's like, no, that's not their fault. It's, it's there's more going on than that in your life. Um, I think it's easier to be unconsciously mad at a politician than it is to consciously count our own faults and to take stock of our own spiritual inventory. Um, instead of attacking uh, the instead of attacking the politicians, right? Um, what situations generally call for is repentance and our own um, sort of spiritual inventory for our part of things. Uh, I, You know, um, when the economy goes south, it's easier to blame the forces that be than to sort of take stock and do some self-reflection. Like, I should have saved some more money. I made a bad financial decision. I made an unwise career move, right? Like Those are the sorts of things where um, it's easier to go out and transfer the negativity than to just sit with it and own it. Um, I think the opposite of this, right, is repentance. The opposite of transference is repentance. The opposite of sort of taking the problems and and sort of unconsciously saying it's the world's problem, it's their problem, it's outside of myself, is to take stock and genuinely own all the things about your life. And to say, you know what, Um, sometimes when life hits it's the faults and foibles of the world, Um, but in reality I've got my own contributions to that. And asking forgiveness and owning our own faults and foibles um, will help us from keeping those faults and foibles, uh, letting them take the wheel and leading us astray. Um, I think most of the transference out there, in fact, in our sort of culture's collective psyche, is actually anger towards God. And I think it's manifesting self as anger against our fellow man, Right really we're angry about the car accident, we're angry at the job setback, we're angry at the divorce hearing, we're angry at the cancer diagnosis, we're angry at the estranged uncle that you used to see at Thanksgiving, but you don't see it at anything anymore. But really, a lot of times that anger is best directed heavenward. Um, that's what the Psalms and Scripture model for us. And so when these things happen in our life and we're so quick to, to blame other people, um, sometimes... Taking that anger to God is the actual solution, um, and that's what I think is happening with the people of Israel in our reading today. Israel didn't understand God um, because they'd had this whole experience with a with a wicked and evil Pharaoh who was beating them down and treating them badly. Um, he was not uh, God is not some sort of flippant, capricious Pharaoh in Egypt trying to whip everybody together in a public works project. This is a God who actually cared. A God who um, parted the Red Sea and sent the plagues and did all of these things. And Israel is really, really struggling um, to adjust to the reality that God loves and cares for them. I think that's what's happening in our reading. One more thought and we'll conclude. Um, So far, what you've heard me say about transference is that it's a bad thing. I think generally it can be. Um, When we take our own emotional states and put them incorrectly in other places where they can't be uh, heard or heard. They can't be healed. Um, They can't be worked through. Um, But instead, um, there is a good and godly transference. And actually, it's the heart of the Christian gospel, in fact. Uh, Because in the New Testament, when the New Testament writers are reflecting on the gospel, um, we're going to see transference at play. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, is going to describe it in 2 Corinthians 5. He's going to say this. For our sake, he made him, God made Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Right For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. There is a great transference that takes place in heaven, because in the same way that human beings project all of the the anger and frustrations of our past onto other people unconsciously, creating a bigger cycle of hardship for themselves and for others, God transfers to us the righteousness and the grace and the love that he has for Jesus. And then in the same way that, that, that we sort of do this unconscious uh, dispersal of our anger outweigh, outwards, God has a very specific and conscious burst of his love and grace and mercy outwards. It just flips the table, um, I think this is a gift, and it's the thing that the that people of Israel are struggling um, to recognize, that this great transference has happened, where instead of, of us receiving from God what we are afraid of, judgment and condemnation, we receive from God mercy, grace, love, affection, and all of the negative stuff that we expect to see, it's all been taken care of and transferred um, to Jesus on the cross, whose death and resurrection takes care of it all. And so, when you look at the Gospel, you see that this concept of transference is completely flipped. And we are all treated and given the same love and affection that God gives to His Son, Jesus Christ. And that is the heart of God's gracious disposition to us, right? And the Israelites, they're, just, they're having trouble understanding this, just like we have trouble understanding it from the day to day, right? The Israelites, they've seen the parting of the Red Sea. They've seen God provide the water. And and they're still in that space of really struggling to say, God loves us and cares for us. They, they're they still struggling to believe it. Um, Yeah, what about food? Yeah, what about water? Yeah, what about, what about, what about? And instead of saying to God, okay, clearly you like us well enough to save us from Egypt. We could really use help here. Um, their response is, again, fatalistic and angry. Um, This is how God is going to continue to work with Israel, though. Because even though they're going to continue to be fatalistic and angry and cantankerous and stiff-necked, that's how God's going to be. He's going to continue to provide for them even when they resist it every step of the way. Because that's how God works with us, too. Um, That when we are cantankerous and angry and stiff-necked and transferring our negativity somewhere where it shouldn't be, um, God meets us and gives us mercy and grace and provides. Right, Other people may set us off and trigger us because of something from our past. God doesn't operate that way. When we see red, God sees grace. And thank God for that. Because that's truly a gift of heaven, that there, we have a God who does not transfer all of the negativity back down to us, but instead responds in a counterintuitive and loving and gracious way. God can handle our projections of anger against Him. He responds to us with grace and mercy and love. Um, so what have we learned about human nature? We are prone to unjustified emotional responses to life uh, by transferring them to other people. What have we learned about Israel? We share that transference pattern with an ancient people. What have we learned about God? Um, that humans may transfer our negative emotions to other, but God in His mercy transfers His love to us through his Son, and that transference is a true gift from heaven, uh, given to a people who don't deserve it. In Jesus' name, amen. Pennsylvania.